Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, good morning. My name is Greg McKinney, and I'm the lead pastor here at Glory Church, and it is uh, such a beautiful day. I'm so thankful that the uh, sun has decided to shine and that we are getting above the 60s. Um, it is a nice. Woo! Um, well, I will tell you, I am super excited about this morning and what God is doing in and through this church. I will tell you, um, we cannot do it alone. And in fact, uh, I would like to bring up and draw your attentions to that little card that is at your seat. Um, in fact, there's about a team of 15 to 16, depending on the morning, that sets up things that uh, runs in our children's ministry with kids. And uh, I'd love, if, if Glory Church ends up being your place, I'd, we'd love for you to join a serve team. Serving is one of the best ways to get to know people. Uh, serving will, will push you to actually see the, the inside and to care about the life and the health and the success of a place. Uh, when, we, when we start diving in in that way, we start uh, seeing it a little differently. And so I'd encourage you, take note of that. Uh, please, Mark, if you would like to. And then you can put that in the offering bucket as it comes by later. We are in week three of a series that we've been calling Daring. Daring. And it has been going through the book of Daniel each and every week. And we're only in week uh, three, but chapter two this morning. So we've been, we've been taking a little bit slow, which I, I hope that you've enjoyed. Um, personally, I love taking scriptures section by section, diving in. And I think that God has something this morning for us um, so before we ever get into it, I actually just want to sort of give you the background, the, uh, the heartbeat of what we're going to dive into. And in doing so, we're going to learn that the principle that God is talking about is one that we believe and we know, but we, we struggle to live it out. And so I just want to do a little object lesson with you. All of us, let's put on our thinking caps. And I want you to think of, in your mind, um, I want you to think of a scenario, a, a, a happening where the hero in the story is brave. All right, I, every one of us, I want you to think of a, a moment, a courageous story. Maybe it's a recount of, of a real-life situation. Maybe you're the hero, or maybe you saw it, someone doing something courageous, brave. Someone doing something that was out of the element, out of the norm. Maybe it's uh, your favorite superhero movie, that scene. Whatever it may be, I need you to think of it, okay? Someone being brave in your mind, a story of it, latch onto that. All right, we got our stories forming a little bit. Some of you are like, I can't even remember what, I, I just, I don't even know where I am this morning. Um, so, so it's all right, all right, we'll get there. But if I was to ask you to start writing down those stories, uh, some of you would take a whole lot of time because you're very detail-oriented. Others of you, these brave stories, uh, you'd rather speak them out so you can be done with it and move on because you're like, why is he asking me to do this? But we would find in every one of our brave stories a line uh, woven in between each and every one of them because when we think of brave people, there's always something involved, another person to be brave for. In fact, every time we think of something who, who is who, someone who is brave, a brave scenario, whatever it is, it's always for the sake of someone. Bravery is never for self. It is never for self. There's someone who's diving into a, uh, a burning building to save kids. Whatever it may be, there is someone always doing something 
for the sake of another. That is the brave scenarios. And if you didn't challenge me, you can come up to me, tell me the story. And I promise you, we will find that there is someone else who's being benefited by the bravery displayed. That's always. What is it? We know that principle, but we struggle to live it out. In fact, if you're taking notes, you will find that a daring faith that God is calling you to will always be the sake, for the sake of other people. A faith, the reason you have been saved, it is not so that you go to heaven. And that's weird. I'm going to say that again. The reason you have been saved is not so that you go to heaven. The reason we have faith will always be for the sake of other people, that as we grow into knowing who God is, God, even of, in of himself, he is a very communal God. He has the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He never does anything for the sake of just one thing. It's always for the big picture glory. And so faith, Jesus came that, that he, he came and died for the sake of the world, for God so loved the world, the the. the the sake of faith will always be one for the glory of God's kingdom, but will always be at the, the help, the hope, the healing of those who are lost. Your faith, your growth, your life, your hope, your story, it is not for you. It is for the glory of God and the hope towards those who do not have it. At the every, like in and of itself, bravery will always push us to look beyond ourselves because you cannot be brave in a scenario where you're the only person in it. Like it's all, like you can't, like that's not bravery at all. You can't be brave if you're alone. Uh, you are always brave against something and for someone, for people. And so we will learn a daring faith is always for the sake of others. And this is why we're often very timid. This is often why we're very shaky in our faith. This is often why we don't take steps out um, because we, uh, it is very self-focused and our enemy knows this. In fact, he wants you to focus on your problems. He wants you to focus on your fears. He wants you to focus on your plan of success. He wants you to focus on your job. He wants you to focus on the, the, the worries that are, that are plaguing your home because if he can get you to focus on yours, you will forget that it's not for you. And, and the beauty of faith is that there are people all around us who need it. And yet we cling to this, this fear, these problems, these issues, and we overlook the fact that everything that we have is for the sake of others. Yeah. And, I, and that does not mean if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, that you forget that. But often we live there. What, there's a beautiful thing that happens that as we take note of the healing that, that was from yesterday, and we, we, we go forward in it and realize outside of ourselves that life is moving. God does something to heal our issues as well as use us in our day. And that's just something that we struggle with and the enemy loves it. And so he wants to focus on our needs, our needs alone, our needs, our fears, our doubts, our worries. But I will tell you, we disconnect from the will of the Father when we do that. We disconnect from the will of the Father. The will of the Father will always be to extend beyond us, to call us out, to be brave. And so I'll tell you, if you're taking notes, this is what today's story is going to be all about. Are you ready? Bravery is grown by burden. Bravery is grown by 
by burden. Last week, we talked about that a bravery of faith is planted in a resolve that some of us, we, we don't live courageously in our day because we have not spoken a conviction in our life. And, and so we talked about that last week, right? Uh, but this week, I got to tell you that bravery is grown by burden. All right, you want me to prove this to you? If you see someone, a little kid who is being hurt by another, what happens swells in your being, right? Like when you see a little kid hurt by another and you just see this playing out, there is just something that the most timid person in the room will become a mama bear. And you're like, I don't have it in me at all. But instantly when I see the burden, when, when I see it, I, I'm, I'm pouncing. And, and we do the same thing, but we forget that the enemy is really good at putting uh, clouding uh, work on us, little dividers, a little tunnel vision so that we don't see and we don't have burden, and so then our faith is never grown. If we don't have a burden for the hurting around us, that is the best place for us to be in the enemy's mind, to not have a burden for the people on your street. Point at them, all right? Point at them. But until you have a burden for them, no change is going to happen on your street. And ever, never, uh, no one does anything out of comfort. It's always as Jesus pushes us to see people as they really are. When you start getting their story, when you start feeling their pain, when you start realizing that it's more than what you just think on the surface level, that is when compassion pulls you, compels you to act. In fact, this is throughout the Gospels. We're going to go to a story again and again. It's not even a story. It's like a, an aside, a passing. But we see this uh, beauty of who Jesus is in the Gospels where he, uh, this one time, he's about to do healing. But before that ever happens, he steps out of a boat and he looks and there's this crowd of people. And they notice him and they start forming. And scripture says, I, I'm very thankful that it says this. It says, Jesus had compassion for the crowd because they looked like sheep without a shepherd. And he saw them, had a burden for them. And then everything that happens, I believe, is because Jesus took a step on the shore and it was not about him. He took a step on the shore, saw the people and had a burden Compassion led him to act, and so then healings happened. Healings were unfolded, but we are not burdened, and so our bravery never grows, and so life never happens in a powerful way. But when your heart aches for them, I wrote this down, you go forth with bravery. You speak regardless of your insecurities. You love regardless of their lack of love. When you have a burden, you talk about your fears in light of the hope that Jesus has and has provided. You listen without taking defense. When you have a burden for someone, you make friends with people, even when they don't have the emotional capacity to be your friend back. Like when you have a burden, you courageously don't care. Like, and that is where I think God wants us to be, but we all fear to get there because it's going to cause us to get very uncomfortable. It's going to cause us, but I will tell you in today's chapter, Daniel, our hero, has a burden. And his bravery has grown tenfold because of it. And I will tell you, Scripture says that, is that strong faith moves mountains. I think it's strong faith that has been grown by burden is what moves mountains. And the reason you haven't seen any mountains moved in your life 
is because you have no burden for the needs around you. The mountain is bigger than you think it is. It's not, it's not that small thing that you keep praying for. It actually is so much grander, and God is ready to be on display if you would realize that he wants you to feel, break my heart for what breaks yours kind of thing. He wants to, to give you courage that is in line with his burden, his power, his will, and that will always cause us to be for the sake of others. So we're going to open up chapter 2, and I'm going to tell you there is a lot of scripture this morning. All right, a whole lot of scripture, and it is, uh, I hope that you get engaged by it because uh, there's nothing powerful in my words, but there's going to be a whole lot of words up here that we're reading. All right, it is a very neat story, very strange story, and guess what? It's not. It has nothing to do with a fiery furnace. Guys, we're not even there yet. Uh, there's so much that happens before that even, even occurs in the scriptures. So we got chapter 2, and it says this, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed such dreams that his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Pause. I, um, we have four little kids. When your sleep le has left you, um, I mean, I don't think we've slept in seven years. And uh, any, any struggles, any character flaws in me is because my sleep has left me. I will tell you, um, I blame everything on sleep. Uh, my wife feels like she's a walking, uh, she says it all the time, like, I'm just not even alive. Like, the bags under my eyes have bags under them. And that's just because of no sleep. But something deadly happens to us when we struggle to sleep. We become mean. Um, we become irrational. And you're about to see Nebuchadnezzar do that. But I want to just hit on the fact, before we ever get there, that there was something so heavy on him that it affected his sleep. He didn't, he didn't have a baby crying. There was something so heavy, so fearful, so uh, full of wonder, but it, there was no answer to it. And it was plaguing him with doubt and worry, and it affected his sleep. And so he calls, verse 2, the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. When they came in and stood before him, he said to them, I have had such a dream that my spirit is troubled by the desire to understand it. And the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will reveal the interpretation. But the king answered to the Chaldeans, this is a public decree. If you do not tell me both the dream, so in other words, get into my mind and tell me the dream and its interpretation, I will tell you this is a public decree. You will be torn limb from limb and your house will be laid in ruins. But if you do tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. I know how crazy I get without sleep. This guy has lost it. When I was a youth pastor, I remember very plainly, uh, there was a kid at church camp who got sick, who threw up. And this was before I had kids, so my uh, compassion level was not yet up to par. Um, but he, I remember him waking me up that he threw up, and I told him, go clean it up yourself. And I fell back asleep. Um, we, we're a little irrational when we're tired, but Nebuchadnezzar is irrational. Limb by limb, your house in ruins. If you do not tell me this, and it's very rash because he doesn't just want the interpretation to the dream. He wants... <laughs> them to tell him the dream itself, the dream itself. And so they answered a second time, 
let the king first tell his servants the dream. Then we will give the interpretation. But the king answered them, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time. Be, because you have, uh, you've heard me firmly decree that if you do not tell me the dream, there's one verdict for you. And you have agreed to speak lying and miswording, misleading words to me until things take a turn. But therefore, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king, there is no one on earth who can reveal what the king demands. In fact, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king is asking is too difficult, and no one can reveal it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the mortals, but we follow a God who dwells with the mortals. Um, but because of this, the king flew in a violent rage and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. The decree was issued, and the wise men were about to be ex executed, and they looked for Daniel and his companions to execute them as well. Pause. King Nebuchadnezzar, though he was... Um, irrational and crazy, he reveals to us something very basic about the human heart. Without God, we are all plagued with doubts and worries and fears and concerns and unanswered questions. And it, 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 it fills us with such worry that some of us are the personality types that you will seek out every answer to fix the problem in you and around you. Yet Nebuchadnezzar teaches us that this world has no answer for us. There is no answer for you. Uh, there is no answer, no, no road to success, no map, and it cannot be answered by the world that when left on their own, people will spiral in their pain and there will be no answer. But write this down. Our world needs the answers that our life provides. A daring faith will see that, know that, and own that. Our, our world needs the answers that our life provides, but we often do not feel the burden to step into the situation and explain the hope that you have. In fact, Peter tells this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When my mom died in, in high school, there was a, a ripple effect of change because people wanted to know the hope that I had. And I'm like, guys, I don't have any more than you think. Like, I don't know what you're talking about or this faith that I have because I feel pretty shaky. But people started noticing that there was a difference and they want the answer. Our life, even in our suffering, even in our confusion, even in our pain, provides an answer to the world because we pain with Christ. And as we connect with our suffering with him, he also connects us with his comfort. And that is weird to the world. They don't understand it, but they want answers. Our world needs the answers that our life provides. And so chapter or verse 14, it says, Daniel responded with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the king's chief execu uh, executioner who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon, and Daniel asks him, the royal official, why is this decree so urgent? Arioch explained to him the matter. And so Daniel went and requested that the king give him time 
and that he would tell the king its interpretation. You see, a daring faith grown by burden will see irrationality of this world and know without a doubt that God somehow has the answer and I have been called to be a part of it. Um, We do not like to step into chaos and so chaos remains, but our life has an answer even in the unknown. He didn't know the dream. At the moment of of saying that, he didn't know. And so story says, the the scripture records that he went back to his friends and together they prayed and they slept. And in that moment of sleeping, God answers the dream. God gives Daniel the dream and its interpretation after he put himself out there in the first place courageously diving into that, courageously diving into that issue. And so I've just got a question. Are you willing to go into the pain of those around you? Are you willing to go into the pain of those around you, or are you going to keep glossing it over as not your problem? Your faith is not for you. It is for the sake of those around you. And if those around you are in pain, then you are obligated as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, to engage in it. And that doesn't mean that you need to be the helping hand that heroically heals everything. No, not at at times. But have you even sought the Lord to reveal to you how to answer their issue? No, we don't. And so we never even take that step to feel the weight of their burden, and so we never have bravery of our own. To step into it, are you willing to do that? We say here at Glory Church that one of our core values, if you were able to go to our uh, vision lunch, thank you for coming. It was a success to have you there. My hope is that uh, more and more people come. If this connects with your heart, it will connect with the heart of people around you. And so I empower you to bring people. We're going to have more, and let's fill that room each and every time with people. But one of our six core values is that we serve our home, that we serve our city, Another way that we say that is that we take ownership of our places of influence. I will tell you, even the least influential person in the room has influence to make change in the city. But we do not take ownership of the chaos, and we don't speak the word of life that provides its hope. And it's not our words. We don't have to have all the answers. But we do have to start engaging with the God who does. And that's what we don't do. Uh, we, We don't do it, but God's words are life and he's provided us with some. And we are to give it. And so to serve our home, to go into the places of influence and, uh, and bring about, take ownership of it. I uh, wrote this down, and so I would love for you to do so, so as well, that to see people is to love people. To see people. Daniel realized that, that, his, uh, that the king's rash, irrational decree was going to destroy people. And so a wave of chaos flowed all over. I, I think we, for, we don't realize, like, limb by limb, people are going, going to be torn apart. That's people's dads, brothers. That is a whole civilization of people are about to die because of one person's irrationality. He, he saw it. And he took ownership of it. To see people is to love people. To go back, let's go back to the Gospels. When Jesus stepped foot onto the shore, he saw people. He saw their body language. He saw their facial expressions. 
He saw them hurting, the way that they were holding each other. He saw what, that they were seeking. You, you can see when people are seeking if you would just choose to see. And like, it's not some divine power that enabled Jesus. He was a human. It wasn't the 100% God that touched people. It was Jesus being 100% man who touched people and brought healing. Like, it, it, we, we forget and we, we put on these, these unobtainable God attributes as to being able to see people. That's just a love quality. And you and I have the same love of God. We have the opportunity, the obligation, the ability to see people, but we're not willing to go there often. It's not some unattainable God quality. It's a love quality to see people. We need to, I wrote this down, narrow the aperture of what we see. Have you ever, uh, a camera, like the aperture of it is the focal point, the ability uh, to see and to clearly, uh, that if you have a very good aperture, you have the ability to, to hone in on one thing. We do not hone in on, on one thing like we should. We don't see people, and our, our focus is so broad-stroked, so on us often, that we don't see the burdens, and they're there for us to take note in. So I have a, a fun story to show just how um, dumb your pastor is. Um, when, I was a, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I worked at Arby's. I will never eat at Arby's again because I've worked there. Um, and you see what happens before the meat is cooked. And it shouldn't gelatin like this. You shouldn't poke it and go, bloop, bloop, bloop. you shouldn't. Um, but eat there, okay? Don't listen to me. All right, I don't want, this is not a public notice, all right? Um, I just personally don't eat there anymore because I've worked there. And there was one day, my senior year in high school, when a woman came to the drive-thru. And uh, I wasn't working in the drive-thru. I was working the front desk. Um, that was never me. I, I didn't do it. But uh, I got this word that a woman's, the back of her car was open and just like the trunk was not closed. And so, and also that the woman was really shaky and she couldn't form a sentence. And so it uh, caused concern for the, the guy who was at the, the drive through window. Everyone knew that Greg was the uh, only Christian who worked there. And so for some odd reason, they came in. All these people are older than me by some 10, 20 years. And they say, hey, Greg, I think you should go out there and talk to her. And because she like pulled in and parked and you could see the whole scenario happen. She's just right out there in her car. The trunk is open. Greg, go. It's okay. We'll cover the front. You just go. I'm like getting pushed out by my, I'm like, all right, here I go. Um, so I go up to her, ma'am, are you okay? And the scene, I can remember it, it was a, um, an Asian woman who uh, turned out she was married to an American man and on her lips uh, was just blood, and it was busted. Um, her, uh, the, um, what did the airbag was deployed, and while she's trying to talk to me, she's trying to push it back into the uh, steering wheel. I will tell you, that doesn't work, um, but while she's talking to me, she's trying to do it, and uh, her car was full of her things, and uh, it was just like busting out of the seams, which is why the, the, the door wasn't even closing. And uh, in the conversation, you could just tell there was a lot of abuse that happened in this marriage. Um, and she was getting out of it. And uh, I am this high school boy 
listening and not knowing a single thing. Uh, I will tell you in the conversation though, it was so sporadic. She would go back and forth in time. She was a child and then she wasn't. And then it was, it was back and forth. And I don't know very much about mental illness, but I know that it was being plagued in her in that moment because she was not forming very many sentences, like full thoughts. It was like time was changing for her. Um, and she would ask me again who I was and again. And it was just, but something was going on too. I, my high school self, like a lot of other high schoolers, watched way too many horror movies growing up. And all I could think of, and I, this is my first time maybe to deal with spiritual warfare, I didn't know, but all I knew was that this woman was struggling to talk about faith. And every time she said her husband took her faith from her, and every time she talked about Jesus at all, um, she would grab her lip and it was just every time it was freaking me out and I didn't know how to process it well. And uh, all I knew was things that I've seen in the past, which Hollywood's iconic, terrible viewpoint of what uh, spiritual oppression is. And here I am, this high school boy, she's freaking me out. She won't make eye contact with me, but she keeps touching her lip and saying that like the infections won't let her pray. And I'm just like, I'm done. I don't know how to help. I don't know what to say. She kept calling her, her angel, and it just, throughout the time, she kept saying, but you don't think I'm, I'm crazy, Greg, do you? And I kept saying no, because I feel like that's the good answer. Um, but one time, I don't know why, one time I said, well, you don't think you are, and this is the first time she looked in my eyes. And just to see the pain in the past, like hindsight, but in the moment, it was rage that I saw, and it scared me to death. She grabbed the, her car door, looked at me in the eyes, and said, you think I'm crazy. And it was the scariest thing. And I allowed fear to control me, and then instantly, my shoulder was touched, and my manager said, hey, Greg, I think you need to come back inside. And I left. And I will tell you, what owned me was not the ability to see her. The lens that was causing my focus was a lens of fear. We often see people through lenses that are not clear. I did not see her. I saw what my fear wanted me to see of her. I did not see her. I saw what my annoyance wanted me to see of her. I didn't see her. I saw what my arrogance wanted me to see of her. I didn't see her. I saw what my doubts my worries, my personal bias, my experience wanted me to see of her. And I will tell you, as a believer, this cannot be so. We cannot do this. And it doesn't have to be a stranger. We see our kids in what our annoyance wants us to see or what our fears some of you have adult kids and you worry based on what your experience was and you put it on them and you can't see them and you can't see, then you can't love. And I just want to pause like, we, we, when we cannot see someone, we don't have burden. I did not have a burden for that woman. I had a fear of her. And it wasn't of her. It was of what my mind was saying, the story that it was writing. And I just remember, I've told this story so many times, I just remember like it was sunny and then at the end, it was dark. Like literally the sun had set, and I don't know how long I was there, but it just, it was the hardest 
scariest. Then I kept feeling like I was going to see her again, and the enemy just knew what he was doing. This, I was the only believer in the room, and I couldn't even get over my fears to engage with her. A hurting woman who had a whole lot of pain, and I couldn't even speak. I didn't even pray to her. She couldn't pray, and she made that known. Greg didn't pray, and I could have. And so we, we struggle to see people, and it's not just strangers. And then we struggle to engage in their burdens. Scripture says in uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that from now on, we do not regard other people from a human point of view. It's that whole passage. We, we skip over this. It's that I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The reason why that, pass, that, that verse is there is because the section right before it says we no longer see people from a human point of view because we are a new creation. You being a new creation is not so that you could say I don't have the old anymore. I have the new. It is so that now with newness you perceive the world. Like it's not about us. But we love that verse of like the old becoming new in this focus of of like, I am new. No, you are new so that you see people, not from a human point of view. And instead, you're seeing people as Christ does, where you step on the shore and you feel the burden of people who are lost without a shepherd. So Daniel goes home, tells his three friends, and together they talk to the Lord. And the answer is found in verse twenty. Uh, 25. It says, Ariok quickly came, brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who can tell you, the, the king, the interpretation. And the king said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to tell me the dream that I've seen and its interpretation? And, the, and Daniel answered the king, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or diviners can show the king the mystery, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has disclosed to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the end days. Your dream and in the visions in your head as you were laying in the bed were these. And it's a long story, but I will tell you like really quickly what it is. It is all around this picture. Um, this picture. The, the king had a dream of a statue. And God was revealing in times to this dream, to this king, and though we could get all on the ins and outs of this, the big picture was he had this dream where each section of the statue was a different, um, a different uh, solid. The gold was at the beginning, then it was uh, silver, then it was bronze, and then it was iron, then it was a mixture of iron and clay as the feet. And then in the dream, this hand that wasn't a human hand cut from the mountain a rock, and it plunged at the statue, and the statue was demolished and destroyed, and there the rock stayed. Dream over. Weird dream. But in Daniel's interpretation, he was saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head, gold. Your kingdom is powerful, strong, mighty, and after you will be another kingdom, and it will be somewhat powerful. Um, but then after that is another kingdom, and it's going to be lesser power. It's bronze, and then after that is, is the iron kingdom, and that's not going to be very good. But you'll notice over time it gets worse and worse and worse because there is a happening in life that the world needs to know. It may feel good now, but what is coming is more pain. 
That, like, that's just the, the, the sad truth of this world that human kingdoms will spiral down and get worse and worse. And over time, that clay is going to rot and the statue on its own will fall. On its own, it's going to fall. But in the same, same dream, there was a rock cut out from a mountain. And scripture literally says, not by human hands that is plunged into this, and even the gold turns to dust. Even the gold turns to dust, and it says that this kingdom cannot be taken. This kingdom will not end, it will not fail, and it will stay forever. The hope that we've got to provide people is this. Reality that human life spirals, but we have an answer that endures. Like that's period, that is what happened. And King Nebuchadnezzar falls on his knees and he worships Daniel. It's okay. He worships Daniel. Daniel knows the God who answers all of our fears. He misses it. And in fact, chapter three happens and this statue is like real life. This is the statue that would happen and everyone would need to bow to it. He got it wrong. But I will tell you, the life that we have provides the hope, and we got to constantly point people to a kingdom that endures. we got to constantly point people to, to a hope that is alive and that thrives and that never ends. But we cannot do that. We will not bravely do it if we do not step into the burden as well, if we don't feel the weight of the lost we do not feel with compassion the need to even talk about the kingdom of God. Because it's there. That need is there. And so the last note of the day is that we are to see people so we can help people see. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.